Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Gladiator, Aaron Hernandez, and Football Inc. ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. A listener note, this episode contains some adult language and themes. As news of Aaron Hernandez's death broke, his former teammates were getting ready to take a trip to the White House. No team has been this good for this long. The Patriots had won the Super Bowl a few weeks earlier, the fifth under the team's owner, Robert Kraft. He's built a culture dedicated to winning, and he started it with his coach, and I want to tell you, that is some special man. Now they lined up on the South Lawn as President Trump singled out some of the players, and especially the coach, for praise. It's called the Patriot Way, and that really starts with Coach Belichick, and I want to thank all of you for being with us. The Patriots are an incredible organization, and this Super Bowl victory was a complete team effort. That's the beauty of what they do. They win as a team. We have a brief statement to read on behalf of Aaron Hernandez's family. But days later, and about 340 miles away, A spokesperson for the Hernandez family stood outside a Bristol funeral home to give a very different statement. The family of Aaron Hernandez wishes to thank the public for its thoughtful expressions of condolences. The family wishes to say... In New England and beyond, reactions ranged from disbelief... It's very hard for me to accept the fact that he may have committed suicide. Um, We are keeping an open mind. So you don't think that sounds like Aaron at all? Not the Aaron that I know. To anger. He didn't have to kill himself. He took the, the cheap way out. I'm sick and tired of going online and seeing all these people with the RIPs for Aaron Hernandez. Yes. You think Odin Lloyd's family wants him to rest in peace? Rest in hell, maybe. Amid stunned reactions to Hernandez's suicide, new questions emerged about the role football had played in Aaron Hernandez's life and crimes. One of his attorneys, Jose Baez, said Hernandez experienced symptoms of brain injuries. He said Hernandez suffered in prison from migraines, memory lapses, and episodes of paranoia and depression. The way he would describe it, a lot of, very, very painful. In fact, he had all kinds of pain in his body. That's what a lot of NFL football players deal with, the constant pain, even at such a young age. In death, Aaron Hernandez's brain would reveal the true cost of his lifetime of playing football. And it would spark a controversial debate. Did brain damage from football cause Aaron Hernandez's mental instability? Could it help explain his crimes? And did it ultimately lead him to take his own life? Do you ever wonder where all your money went? Like every single time you look at your bank account? Honestly, it's probably all those subscriptions. I felt that way too, until I got Rocket Money. Rocket Money helped me see all the subscriptions I'm paying for, and it was eye-opening. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it all adds up so quickly. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. 
Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Have you ever covered a carpet stain with a rug? Ignored a leaky faucet? Pretended your half-painted living room is supposed to look like that? Well, you're not alone. We've all got unfinished home projects, but there's an easier way. When you download Thumbtack, it's easier to care for your home from top to bottom. Pull out your phone and in just a few taps, you can search, chat, and book highly rated pros right in your neighborhood. Plus, you'll know what to tackle next because Thumbtack is the app that shows you what to do, who to hire, and when. So say goodbye to all those unfinished home projects and say hello to caring for your home the easier way. Download Thumbtack and start a project today. From the Boston Globe and Wondery, I'm Bob Holler, and this is Gladiator an investigative series about Aaron Hernandez and Football, Inc. This is the sixth and final episode, Beauty and Violence. We began this series with questions about Aaron Hernandez, about why he did what he did, and who could have stopped him. We've heard about how people who oversaw his football career, including coaches and agents, seemed to look the other way even as he spiraled out of control. But there was another way that football changed Aaron Hernandez, one that could only be verified after his death. In life, he was a muscular 240 pounds. In death, the most important part of his body became his three and a half pound brain. My colleague from the Spotlight team, Sasha Pfeiffer, picks up the story here. Hernandez's family arranged for his body to be brought back to his hometown of Bristol, Connecticut for a funeral. And they made a decision that ultimately had huge implications. They gave permission for his brain to be studied. A Boston coroner removed Hernandez's brain and sent it to a research laboratory outside the city. It was a secretive operation to avoid attracting public attention. The brain was brought into the lab through an underground tunnel system, and only three people there knew whose brain it was. Then it was cut into slices, stained with a special dye, and examined under a microscope. Well, first of all, I just want to thank you all for coming. About seven months later, Dr. Anne McKee stepped on stage at a medical conference at Boston University and made an explosive announcement. I know there's been a lot of interest in these findings, especially when you consider Aaron Hernandez's life. It may surprise you that this brain has been one of the most significant contributions to our work. Dr. McKee is a neuropathologist who heads Boston University's CTE Center. That center has studied the brains of more than 330 dead football players. From a podium with a big screen behind her, McKee displayed images of two different brains. One was an ordinary 27-year-old's, the other was Aaron Hernandez's. These are very unusual findings to see in an individual of this age. The the next youngest individual with perforations and damage like this to the septum was 46 years old, so he's some 20 years younger when he's presenting with these findings. McKee said Hernandez had a dramatic case of CTE. That's chronic traumatic encephalopathy. The disease can only be diagnosed after death because it requires removing the brain and analyzing its tissue. And it's believed to be caused by just one thing, repeated hits to the head. 
According to official tallies, Aaron Hernandez suffered two documented concussions during his football career, one in high school and one with the Patriots. But he started playing tackle football when he was eight years old. So there's no doubt he took many other hits to the head that were never recorded. In the images Dr. McKee showed, the difference between the healthy brain and Hernandez's was obvious. When a brain has CTE, some parts of it shrink, others become enlarged. In certain areas, there's a buildup of a protein found in Alzheimer's patients, and Aaron Hernandez's brain had all those problems. In every place that we looked, it was classic CTE. We also saw evidence of previous microhemorrhage or microbleeds, something we associated with head impacts and concussive injury, all of these caused by repetitive brain trauma. There were about two dozen journalists in the room with Dr. McKee. My spotlight colleague, Bob Holler, was one of them. He asked point blank. You, you, you could not connect the dots, as you said, between this and his behavior, but does it help you explain some of the aberrant behavior? That... In any individual, we can't take the pathology and explain the behavior, but we can say collectively... She said CTE severely affects the parts of the brain that control judgment, impulse control, social behavior, and emotional regulation. Whether Aaron Hernandez's brain damage affected his actions is a question with serious implications, not just for NFL players, but for every football player. And it's controversial. Dr. McKee's report triggered an immediate debate here in Boston. Since her big announcement, Dr. McKee has stopped talking publicly about Hernandez. She wouldn't speak with the Globe for this story. When I asked to interview her, a university spokeswoman said the only thing she won't talk about is Aaron Hernandez. But another neurologist would. He died with a very sick brain. Dr. Sam Gandhi works at Mount Sinai Hospital in New York. He's an expert in head trauma, and he's looked at the scans of Hernandez's brain. I have no idea of knowing how long his brain had been that impaired, but that brain was ravaged, was devastated. There's a lot still not known about CTE, like what its risk factors are, what type of hits cause it, what quantity of hits, and whether genes play a role. There's also a lot unknown about the Hernandez case, but... The CTE that I've seen in Aaron Hernandez's brain is not subtle. It's really quite severe. It's impossible for me to look at the severity of CTE in Mr. Hernandez's brain and not think that that had a profound effect on his behavior. And his behavior fits with what we know about CTE. Hernandez was quick to lash out, notorious for his bad judgment, and plagued by paranoia. But another Boston University researcher says a CTE connection is not so clear-cut. This is Dr. Bob Cantu. It's interesting to think that impulsivity is one of the hallmarks of CTE. But I think if you'll reflect on some of the things he did, they were caught out. Like the murder of Odin Lloyd. Prosecutors say that killing was planned. He was taken to a remote area and shot execution style. Or maybe Aaron Hernandez's drug use helps explain his troubling behavior, not his CTE. There's another important thing to point out. Of all the brains Boston University researchers have examined, not one of those brains, with the exception of Aaron, were involved with homicide, to my knowledge. They all had CTE. So I think I'll just leave it at that. 
When I started playing football in the 80s, there wasn't a vocabulary for concussions. There was, you got your bell rung. You got a stinger. You're blowing snot bubbles. Or you got shit canned. Or you got, you got plowed over. I had a few concussions, absolutely. Anytime you like even see stars or anything like that, they, I think they're saying that that is a concussion. Brandon Lloyd and Dane Fletcher were teammates of Aaron Hernandez. As a matter of fact, it was more a rite of passage to get a stinger, to get up and be dizzy. And the culture of football suggests that you rub some dirt on it, you shake it off, and you, you don't be a wuss about it, and you get back out there on the football field and continue playing. I've had enough concussions to know that when I am concussed, A, I black out, and then B, I have the best dreams of my life, you know, just the craziest dreams I've ever thought. So when people think that they're concussed, I'm like, pay attention to your dreams tonight. Like, you're going to be doing circus flips in your head. It's going to be wild. I cringe now. <laughs> yeah, I cringe now when I see those hits. Uh, but when I was suited up on the sideline, I would cheer. Those type of hits, when my team was delivering them to the other team, that's what the game is all about. That's the culture of football, is to take out the other players. Take out the best player on the team in the most violent way is the culture of football. It's scary. I mean, you, you just see it, and the, the stats are there, and that's why I came back to Montana and started my gym, you know, and work for something every day to keep my mind busy as much as I can so I don't sit at home and just think about, you know, how my body's corroding. But if you ask Lloyd and Fletcher if they do it all over again, knowing what they know now... It's so worth the risk to be out there playing, to make a million dollars to go to the NFL... And then you get to the NFL, and it's still worth the risk to make more money. And then you add on to it the fan base and the ego associated with all this. Um, I know how stubborn I was as a kid. You know, it's, it's hard for me to tell some kid not to follow their dreams. The risk of injury in football is always there. Football players in general weigh much more than they did decades ago. Some players say on-field collisions feel like being in a car crash or multiple car crashes on every play of every game. For years, the NFL said there was no link between CTE and football, but the league has finally started to admit to a connection. The year before Aaron Hernandez died, Dr. McKee addressed a congressional panel about CTE. And the other thing I really want to emphasize is it's not about concussions. It's about limiting head injury. Head injury that occurs on every single play of the game at every single level of this game. To me, what our job is, is to maintain the health of these... Soon after McKee finished speaking, an NFL spokesman on the same panel publicly acknowledged for the very first time a relationship between CTE and football. It was an admission many people had been waiting years to hear. And it came in a response to a question from Representative Jan Schakowsky. Right. Is there a link? Yeah, yes. Because we, we, we feel sure. that, uh, or I feel, that, uh, you know, that was not the unequivocal answer three days before the Super Bowl by uh, Dr. Mitchell Berger. Well, I, I'm not going to speak for Dr. Berger. He's well, the, he's, except he's, you're speaking for the NFL, right? 
I, you asked the question is whether I thought there was a link, and I think certainly based on Dr. McKee's research, there's a link because she's found CTE in a number of retired football players. My, I think that the, the broader point and the one that your question gets to is what that necessarily means and where do we go from here with that information. Despite knowing the medicine, the NFL denied, denied, denied the serious consequences of concussions and sub-concussions. That's Kenneth Colpan, a Boston lawyer. He's suing Aaron Hernandez's estate on behalf of the family of Daniel De Abreu, one of the men Hernandez was charged with killing in that Boston double homicide. Hernandez was acquitted in that case, but there was strong evidence he played at least some role in their deaths. I asked Colpan why he thinks the NFL denied football's effects on the brain for so long. Protecting their product. Protecting their product. This research has been there from the, since the 1940s. For the NFL to deny it until recently is to deny the science. Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point-of-sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash wondery, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash wondery to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash wondery. Considering a master's in forensic science, but juggling family and work, the University of Florida Forensic Science Online Graduate Program is your solution. Tailored for working pros, this entirely online program fits seamlessly into your schedule. Crafted with FBI and law enforcement input, the curriculum equips you with skills to elevate your career. Join over 1,500 graduates who earned their master's since 2000. Specialize in forensic toxicology, DNA and serology, forensic drug chemistry, or create your plan with an MS in forensic science. Advance your career with a master's. No need to rearrange your life. It's online, interactive, and built for professionals like you. No GRE required. Network with forensic pros globally. Ready for the next chapter? Join the world's largest forensic science program and alumni network at forensicscience.ufl.edu slash Wondery. Your journey begins at the University of Florida. It took a long time for CTE to become mainstream news. But now that it has, that's hurting football. Pop Warner leagues are seeing a decline in membership. Even some NFL players are bailing out. One of them is Chris Borland. He's now 27, the same age Aaron Hernandez was when he died. It was like a one split second of darkness, and then I'm on the ground and awake. When Borland was a high school sophomore, he got a concussion in a football game. Um, and I kind of stumbled to the sidelines and right near the trainer, and she knew right away that I'd been concussed. But Borland went on to play in the NFL, just like Hernandez and he believes he suffered many more concussions. He just wouldn't report them because he'd learned early on about Wally Pip. 
Wally Pipp was the first baseman for the Yankees who set out with a headache one day, and Lou Gehrig steps in at first base and sets the record for consecutive games started. So that's a, a lesson that coaches try to teach players. In other words, come out of the game and you may never go back in. As a result? Players will stay in by any means necessary. Even if that means playing through pain or with a head injury. For years, Borland didn't worry about how all those collisions might be affecting his brain. Not until his third year at the University of Wisconsin, where he played college football. ...led to the tragic death of a beloved athlete. Junior Seau was found dead in his Southern California home of an apparent suicide. Junior Seau was a linebacker for the New England Patriots and San Diego Chargers. In 2012, when he was 43 years old, he shot himself in the chest. Junior was beloved by everyone and gregarious and had his own TV show and seemed like he had the, you know, everything in his world was was going his way. So that was the first time where I was taken aback and and thought, wow. Seau is one of 20 NFL players who've taken their lives since 2005. His family believes he killed himself the way he did so he could preserve his brain. Five brain specialists have since said Seau's brain had CTE. Chris Borland kept playing college ball. After graduating, he signed with the San Francisco 49ers, but his concerns about his brain kept nagging at him. So he did some research. You know, I I started from a place where I didn't know what CTE stood for. And as I began to read about it and learn about it, I, I just had a really difficult time justifying continuing. Players with uh, far more likely to develop not only CTE, but dementia and ALS and other horrible debilitating neurodegenerative diseases. Still, Borland had a great season with the NFL. He was even named a Defensive Rookie of the Month. But then he reached a conclusion. I said, yeah, this is going to be it. I can't justify continuing to do this. Borland walked away from a contract worth nearly $3 million. I had a phone conversation one by one with people that were important to me in life, and I felt like there were coaches and a couple of administrators and fellow teammates where I felt the need to tell them beforehand. I expected it to be a story, but not what it became. I thought I'd be, it'd be a story on ESPN one day or maybe do a series of interviews. And I found myself on CBS This Morning and, and Face the Nation, and it became a, almost a national story. We don't need to be incredulous as to why people who've hit their head 10,000 times are suffering later in life. I think for the sake of the next generation, we can act now. But action will require overcoming some deep-rooted ideas about football. Borland remembers that when he was a teenager, a new helmet came out that was supposed to significantly reduce the risk of concussions. The federal government later said that claim was based on faulty science. But Borland used that helmet, and he remembers being called soft for wearing it. I mean, it's it's absurd. That said, I, I also can understand I was one of those kids um, that you know, wanted to be tough. And I think a lot of kids are drawn to football because um, it, it's, a, it's a man's game. Borland also recalls high school coaches talking about how football builds character. I think it teaches you to show up on time, to work hard, um, to be a part of something bigger than yourself. But that isn't exactly character. Um, and there's plenty of evidence to the contrary, whether or not it... 
uh, brain injury played a role in it. There's a lot of players who um, are really bad guys, a lot of who are great, but you know, there's really a lot of bad guys who, who excel at football. It's not as if you slip on the pads and put on the helmet and then you have character. Borland doesn't think there's a simple answer to whether CTE alone accounts for Aaron Hernandez's crimes. I don't think it's fair that the narrative is, you know, man plays football, man contracts a brain disease and therefore becomes a killer. I think it's far more complicated than that, but I do think it, it may have played a role. There's a bigger question here. Is football fundamentally dangerous? Jeffrey Montez Dioka believes it is. He's a University of Colorado professor who studies the role of sports in society. I believe that the reforms in the game have probably made football a more dangerous game. Football is a violent game. Violence is the purpose of the game. Violence is at the center of the game. The violence gets rationalized in that sense, and then it can be used, it's believed, for pro-social purposes. Uh, instilling discipline, instilling camaraderie, instilling teamwork, and making, making boys into men. Since Chris Borland retired, he's committed himself to raising awareness about the safety risks in football. And he's pledged that once he dies, he'll donate his brain to Boston University's Brain Bank, the same place that examined Hernandez's brain. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The question of whether CTE played a role in Aaron Hernandez's violence is now a matter for the courts. For so long, uh, prior to us finding finding out Aaron's diagnosis, I, I can't tell you how much I struggled with what I could have done differently, what I could have, what I could have and should have done. Jose Baez is a lawyer for Hernandez's family. When I was finally told what his condition was, it all made sense to me. Last year, Baez filed a lawsuit against the NFL for Hernandez's fiance and daughter. The suit claims the league failed to protect Hernandez from the danger of concussions. There's nothing worse than a brain injury. You have no control over many things. Uh, there's nothing, a, a sickness in the brain is as worse as it gets. You know, the NFL can't hide behind uh, their shield. <laughs> they, they, they think they can, but they really can't. Um, you're asking these individuals to sacrifice their brains for a game, and you know the results of those actions, and the second they start to manifest the, the symptoms uh, of, of damaging their brains, you cut them loose. And I, don't, and, and I don't believe the NFL should do that to its players. 
Baez's lawsuit is still pending, and there are many, many more active lawsuits related to football brain damage with a lot of money at stake. Concerns about head injuries in football go back to the late 1800s. The premier place to play football then was the Ivy League. In 1905, at least 18 players died on the football field, often from skull fractures. That prompted Columbia and Northwestern to drop their teams. Then President Teddy Roosevelt stepped in. He was a big outdoorsman who believed modern society was making men soft and football could toughen them up. I wish to see you boys join the body and act in that body in the same way I'd expect any one of you to act in a football game. In other words, don't So he held a White House summit to try to make the game safer, and that led to rule changes and better equipment. But more than a hundred years later, we're still asking if football can ever truly be safe. Is it a reasonable decision to let young children play tackle football? My colleague Bob Holer, as you may remember, has a real stake in this issue. He has an eight-year-old grandson with dreams of NFL stardom. You know, it's something Logan's parents and I continue to wrestle with. Many young boys see the glamour and greatness of football. They see players charge out onto the field in flashy uniforms with state-of-the-art helmets and pads. They want to be them. Millions of us watch from the stands and on TV. Super Bowl Sunday is practically a national holiday. Nine of the 10 most watched TV broadcasts in US history were Super Bowls, four of them involving the New England Patriots. Football showcases incredible athletic feats, creates community spirit, instills discipline, and it can be a way out of poverty. There's a combination of both violence and beauty. There's a ballet-like quality to football. When you watch receivers going out for passes or, or running backs, uh, shifting as they go through the line of scrimmage and avoiding defenders as they run up the field. But at what cost? At the same time, on every single play, you have extraordinarily large men smashing into each other. Montez Dioka believes Aaron Hernandez fascinates us, not just for the tabloid sensationalism of his life. For him, this story illuminates all the potential and possibility of America's game, and also its ugly underbelly. Aaron Hernandez offers a kind of wonderful morality tale in a certain way that um, here is this guy who works really hard, who develops his skills, who's incredibly successful and becomes an outstanding tight end in the National Football League. However, because of who he is as an individual, he's unable to control his violent and emotional outbursts. He makes for this incredibly rich story that illustrates all of these other larger issues going on in football. Those larger issues loom over the game today, and not just at the professional level. At the start of this series, I mentioned my grandson, Logan. At eight years old, he's eligible now to play tackle football. Here comes the Mighty Mike. He plays in a flag football league where he has thrown a touchdown pass, and he loves the game. 
He has tried on a helmet worn by Odin Lloyd's football team, the Boston Bandits, and he wants to join his friends in a youth tackle league. I'd really love to see him pursue his dream to play tackle football. But I've seen the research, and I've talked to former players who will never recover from the brain damage they suffered on the football field. I've come away thinking, no sport should cause that kind of pain. And just to be clear, I don't believe playing tackle football will turn a kid into a killer like Aaron Hernandez. But I do worry about the health risks of a childhood spent playing a gladiator sport. Sadly, I don't think I want my grandson playing America's game. But still, football tugs at many of us. It's part of our culture, part of who we are. In 2012, a few days before Hernandez is set to play in Super Bowl 46, his mom Terry stands in front of a crowd of screaming, waving children in an elementary school gym in Bristol, Connecticut. It's the school Hernandez attended as a boy. Terry is the secretary there. The kids wear Patriots t-shirts and jerseys emblazoned with Hernandez's number, 81. He is a hero to some of them. They break into a dance routine and a local Channel 4 news reporter interviews Terry. Every parent hopes to raise their kid to turn out to be something great, but to turn out to be now a role model. You have dozens of kids here who want to be your son. Aaron has a kind heart. He's a great book. The students give Terry a bouquet of flowers and a sash that says Super Bowl Mom. She sits in front of them, and as a video message plays for the kids, her eyes well with tears. Keep your head high, stay focused, and be happy. And one thing I want to say is I'm glad I was able to talk to you guys. I hope you guys take it in and listen. Have a great future. And make sure you listen to all your teachers, do good in school, and hopefully the best happens for all you guys. Hopefully you guys are watching me in the Super Bowl. It's going to be a great game, baby. Have fun, and hopefully you guys do good in school and finish the year right. Talk to you soon. From the Boston Globe and Wondery, this is the final episode of Gladiator, our six-part series about who could have made a difference in the life of one young man. If you'd like to help us spread the word, please give us a review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, NPR One, and every major listening app, as well as Wondery.com. We'll be back next week with a special interview episode where I will answer questions about the process my colleagues and I went through to report this story. If you're listening on a smartphone, tap or swipe over the cover art of this podcast. You'll find the episode notes, including some details you may have missed. You'll also find some offers from our sponsors. Please support our show by supporting them. And thank you. You can also read the print series of Gladiator at bostonglobe.com gladiator. Special thanks to the Bristol Press and Michael Razzi for the use of his recording from the elementary school Super Bowl celebration. Gladiator was written, reported, and hosted by me, Bob Holer, and by Beth Healy, Sasha Pfeiffer, Andrew Ryan, 
and our Spotlight editor, Patricia Wen. We'd also like to give special thanks to Globe editors Brian McGrory, Scott Allen, Mark Morrow, and Janice Page, Spotlight's data specialist Todd Wallach, and reporter Maria Kramer. Gladiator was produced by Amy Padula, sound designed by Jeff Schmidt, archival research by Rosemary Rotundi, additional production help from Pallavi Kodamasu, Katie McMurrin, and Eliza Dennis. Executive produced by George Lavender, Marsha Louie, and Hernan Lopez for Wondery. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Gladiator, Aaron Hernandez, and Football Inc. ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus and Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com slash survey.